this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. It's great that you joined us for this episode. We've entitled it, What's Next? The Day After. Now, this is a lesson, so to speak, a message, an episode in a series entitled, What's Next? And that series, that's not a question that's telling you things that are coming up in the future of the world based on Bible prophecy. So what's next the day after? Now, for many of you who are listening, you're old enough to remember what I'm about to talk about. Uh, For some of you who are younger, this will be very informative. The day after, I, I absconded with that title from an old network TV drama called The Day After. And that was a leftist TV drama about the danger the world was in with a cowboy like Ronald Reagan as president. And it was, I believe, uh, shown in 1983 when Reagan was president. And the whole idea was, you know, the, the basic idea behind that series with nuclear war could happen any minute with a guy like this in the Oval Office. And it centered around a town in Kansas, you know, the day after nuclear exchange had happened in a nuclear war. I never watched it. So anyway, the point I want to make is the left does this same thing in one way or another every time somebody's elected that they didn't put up for the presidency. They did it with Ronald Reagan. They did it with um, uh, George W. Bush. They did it with President Trump. So it's the same old thing. It's just a page out of their playbook. Anyway, don't waste your time watching that series. But I did take the title. It's a great title, The Day After. Well, Well, if we're not talking about the day after a nuclear war, what are we talking about? We're talking about the day after the rapture of the church. Now, many of you have heard of the rapture of the church, but let me tell you a little bit about that if you're not aware of that term or what that refers to. The rapture of the church will be the most shocking global event in modern times. And it will be when the Lord Jesus Christ, who rose from the dead, literally, physically, actually, and ascended back to heaven. It is when he returns for the church, the believers in Christ, and takes them with him to heaven. And then we will all come back with him when he returns to the earth for the millennial kingdom after the tribulation to take over world government. Now, there, if, if you're saying, I don't even know anything about what you're talking about. Well, Go back and listen to several of the episodes in What's Next, The Day After, or or excuse me, What's Next, and you'll see other episodes other than this one, The Day After, and if you'll listen to several of them, you can catch up with us, and the best thing to start doing is start reading your Bible. All right, The Day After, The Rapture. As I said, it's the most shocking global event that will ever happen in modern times, I guess the only thing more shocking than that will be when Jesus Christ literally returns to the earth to take over in the millennial kingdom. That that would obviously trump the rapture, but it's 
the most shocking global event in modern times until then. Let's say that. Now, Jesus Christ himself predicted life and that, that the, the life of the world would be just like it was in the days of Noah. If you go back and you read in the book of Genesis about the, the sad state of the world in the days of Noah, just before the flood, it was, it was an awful place when you read about it. And the Lord knew that in order to preserve the line of Christ, that the Messiah that Jesus would come through to be the savior of the world, that in order to preserve that line, to keep his promise to Eve and to to Adam, that he would have to wipe out everybody but Noah and his family because the world was in danger of every single person in the world turning from God, turning away from God. And this would be Satan's attempt to keep the Lord Jesus Christ from coming to the earth. Now, again, if you're kind of new to this, which I know many of you are, you're going like, you are making my head spin. Hey, you got to do some homework, all right? Go back and listen to other episodes and what's next. Begin to read your Bible, and you're going to begin to learn more about what uh, many of us have known for some time. So Jesus predicted life just before the rapture would be just like it was in the days of Noah. Uh, That is prior to the Lord's second coming. But obviously it'll be that way before his rapture of the church as well. Now, when Noah was called by God to build the ark that would be a giant... Um, let's say a giant uh, lifeboat for the land animals and for Noah and his family to preserve life. When, when he did that, you know, you would think, and a lot of people have this idea that God called him last week to do this and he built the ark this week and the flood came three weeks later. Well, it wasn't like that. And the Bible says it wasn't like that. Nothing happened for 120 years except two things, three things. The world didn't change, (laughs) but Noah kept preaching the righteousness of God and Noah kept building the ark, all right? Those three things stayed the same. So nothing happened for 120 years. And then when you go back and read, I, I believe I'm remembering this correctly, but when you go back in Genesis and you read the actual account that Moses was inspired by God to write down for the people of Israel about, about Noah and those days and what Noah did, Noah was told to get in the ark and God shut the door to the ark. And then nothing happened. I believe, for about seven days. I believe if you look back, it says that. Nothing happened. Uh, the, whole, the whole world was probably laughing at Noah at this point. Then God opened the fountains of the great deep and the windows of heaven. The global flood started without warning. Now, I'm going to give you some more homework and this one is going to blow your mind. 
go to YouTube and um, search on YouTube for this title. Write this down. You're not going to remember it. So you want to go to YouTube and you want to search for this, this video title. The best movie ever made explaining Noah's flood. One more time. The best movie ever made explaining Noah's flood. It's from Young Earth Creation. And I'm telling you, it is fascinating. It is an hour and 20 minutes long. And it is filled with more science than you will ever want to hear. And geology. And it will simply blow your mind when you when you watch this hour and 20 minute video. The best movie ever made explaining Noah's flood. Search for that on YouTube. So I don't have time to go into that. It took them an hour and a half, all right? <laughs> so you need to watch that on your own. And I'll tell you what, you are going to have a brand new respect for the Bible. All right, so Jesus predicted that life would be on the earth in the days prior to his returns, the rapture and the second coming, just like it was in the days of Noah. Let's read what Jesus said. Don't take my word for it. In the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 24, verses 36 to 39, Jesus Christ himself is speaking. But of that day and hour knoweth no man, no, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. For as in the days of Noah that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage, until the day that Noah entered into the ark and knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, strictly speaking, Jesus is referring here to his return to the earth to set up his millennial kingdom. But as I said, it, it will obviously be the same just prior to the rapture. And the rapture is going to catch the world totally by surprise. Now, when you look back in Genesis, you'll find that the earth was filled continually with bloodshed and violence and that, that people were just continually devising new ways to be wicked. I think our world is a lot like that today. What do you think? So Jesus predicted that just before the rapture, obviously, and just before his second coming, that the world would be just like it was in the days of Noah. But in this passage we read, when I read this, I get the sense that life just went on as normal and, and it was in a wicked world. And the event of Christ's return takes them completely by shocking surprise. Oh, Pastor Ed, you're such a worrier. This couldn't possibly happen. Everything just stays like it always has been. That's exactly the Lord's point. Thank you for making it for me. Jesus promised to come for his church. Let's read that. In John 14, 1 through 6, Jesus made this promise. Now notice, 
What he describes here, and we're going to look at some other passages of Scripture right after this, what's described here and in the remaining passages we're going to see does not match what we read about when the Lord literally comes back to the earth and takes over the world and becomes the ruler, justly so, of this world. And that will be a... (laughs) That will be a massive event. But what we're reading here, called the rapture of the church, differs in many ways, and it happens prior to his literal return to the earth. In the rapture, the Lord comes in the air, and the church meets him in the air and returns to heaven with him. In the second coming, which will be about seven years later, the church returns with Christ and we come to the earth literally and take over. All right, you got that? So what we're seeing is a different event than that kingdom that we, that we think of as a second coming. All right, so let's read what the Lord said. Jesus promised to come for his church. John 14, one through six. Let not your heart be troubled. Ye believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also." And whither I go, ye know, and the way ye know. Thomas saith unto him, Lord, we know not whither thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus saith unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father, but by me. Now that is a wonderful promise the Lord gave directly to his disciples. On the night of his betrayal, this was at what we call the Last Supper, and he told them because they were, they were so downcast that he said he was leaving them. But he promises he's going to prepare a place for them and for us, and if he's going to go do that, you can bet he's coming back to get us. What a wonderful promise. And he said that he was the way, so if you know Jesus... You know the way. So what do I have to do? Just keep on living for Jesus till he comes back to get you. It's simple, very simple, and very comforting. You see, I'm not looking for the Antichrist. I'm looking for Jesus Christ. How about you? 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 52, tells us a little more about this. Now, if you've been to many funerals, you will have heard this passage, and, and usually a longer part of it is read, 1 Corinthians 15, 51 to 58, where it talks about the body being changed and a new body and all of that. Well, I'm not reading that part right now, but I'm going to read 1 Corinthians 15, 51 and 52. The Apostle Paul was given this revelation by the Spirit of God, by Jesus himself, to share with the church. Now here it is. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed 
in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Now, what is he talking about there? That's the rapture of the church. Again, right there, he said, Behold, I show you a mystery. That's something that is concealed by God. It cannot be known unless God reveals it. So this is something that was secret that we're now being told. Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep. Have you ever heard the saying that we all owe uh, God a death? <laughs> you ever heard that? Well, well, we do, but not all of us are going to have to pay it. If you're a believer in Christ, when Christ returns in the rapture, you will not die. That's what he means there when it says sleep. For the believer in Jesus Christ, even though our physical body dies, we don't die, our spirit and soul, but our body does die. But it's likened to uh, death for the Christian is no no worse than falling asleep and waking up, okay? Now, for the lost, it's completely different than that. We shall not all sleep. That is, if I'm living when the Lord Jesus Christ returns, if you're a believer and you're living when he returns in the rapture, you won't go through death. How about that? So what if I die before that? Well, hang on. It says, we shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye. That means, that phrase there means in, in the Greek thought, in, in an indivisible amount of time, I mean the most microscopic division of time that man could possibly come up with, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Isn't that great? Now, the dead here are believers in Christ whose bodies have died. They're still alive, spirit and soul. And if I were to die today before the rapture of the church, my body would, would be laid to rest, but I would instantly be in the presence of the Lord. But one day at the rapture of the church, my body will be resurrected and I will be given a new body. And the older I get, the more important that sounds to me. When I was young, I didn't care. My body's killing me. How about you? <laughs> and the dead shall be raised incorruptible. I'll have a body then that will never die. And then he says, and we shall be changed. Now notice that this rapture, it has no warning. It doesn't take a long time for it to happen. It just happens. Just like when Noah went in the ark, and those seven days ticked off at the end of that seventh day when it was time, boom, it happened. And the flood began. The, the fountains of the great deep shot forth just massive water spouts. You got to watch that movie I told you about. When you do, it will completely revolutionize your thinking about the catastrophe of the global flood that covered the highest mountains and killed every person here except Noah and his family so that God could wipe out wickedness and start over on the earth and preserve 
the human line through which the Lord Jesus Christ would come, okay? That it was that bad. But think about it this way. If, if there had, um, if Satan had been successful, then everyone would be eternally doomed. Think about it that way. All right, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. This is probably the clearest, most detailed explanation of the rapture of the church. Now, by the way, if you're a Christian and you attend a church and you've never, ever in your whole Christian life heard messages from these passages of the Bible, you need to ask your preacher, why not? And if they don't know, get them to start reading the Bible too. <laughs> if they don't care, then you need to find a better church and a better pastor. You see, we're living on the edge of the rapture of the church. We are living on the edge of the complete fulfillment of the rest of Bible prophecy. And you're not being taught or preach to from the passages that have everything to do with what we may face at any unknown point. All right, 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them. Hang on, I, I lost my scripture passage here. All right, here we go. Uh, let me go back. Let me make sure we're still, we're still taping, we are, and let me pull back up my message notes. All right, so let's go back to 1 Thessalonians 4, and uh, let, let me start over. That threw me off. 1 Thessalonians 4, 13 through 18. But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God. And the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air, and so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Right here in this passage, we see clearly that at some point in the future, I feel that well, for sure, we're getting closer and closer, but I could, I feel like it is really close. But we shall see. I don't know the time, and no one else does either. But we see here that at a point in time with no warning, 
just like with Noah going in the ark and God shutting the door, seven days later, with no warning, disaster fell upon the earth through the flood, which was a real, universal, global flood. Only Noah and the land animals that he took on board survived. The fish, they were fine. They loved it. <laughs> Sharks had a field day, I might add. Now, right here, we see that the early Christians were worried and sorrowing for believers who had already died before the rapture. That was the whole point of this, that their, their loved ones had died before the rapture. They missed the rapture. What's going to happen to them? And Paul said, no worry. We don't sorrow. We, now, we do have grief when our loved ones and friends pass away. This is true. But it's not like the world has when people pass away because the world has no hope that you sorrow not, even as others. And the phrase there, I think, that is emphasized is even as others, meaning you know how lost people are at funerals. Those are frightening things. There's a lot of emotion many times, and there's no hope. So we sorrow, but we don't sorrow as others which have no hope. And he says here in verse 14, for if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, and we do, even so them also which sleep in Jesus, as those who died before the rapture, um, they sleep in Jesus, will God bring with him? Well, how does he do that? Well, their body is in the ground, but their spirit and soul are with the Lord, and they come back with the Lord in the air when the Lord raptures the church. For this we send to you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain under the coming of the Lord shall not prevent, that means go before them, which are asleep. For the Lord himself, now he's not sending an angel to do this, he's coming. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. So my mom, my dad, believers in Christ, my grandmother, many of my relatives, they're going to be raised first, incorruptible. That body that went into the ground is going to be completely renovated into a um, heavenly body that cannot ever get sick or die again. It has no limitations like we think of limitations today. Well, their, their bodies are resurrected and they are reunited with their soul and spirit. And that happens before we even go up. But it's in such a, a microscopically indivisible amount of time that it's hardly distinguishable. So far from them missing the rapture, they go first. Isn't that great? <laughs> then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord where? At, on on, uh, on the rock of Mount Olive? No, that's in the second coming. To meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. So, so we, are, we are raptured up. By the way, for those who say the word rapture is never mentioned in the Bible. It's in the Latin Bible, dude. Now, right here where we see shall be caught up, the Greek word caught up is the same idea as the Latin word to, to seize. It's like to snatch, like if you were to jerk one, someone like a child out of a fire to save them. It's that, that idea. It's right there. It's right in front of you. So next time somebody says, well, it's not mentioned in the Bible, 
Yes, it is. First Thessalonians 4, verse 17, it's right there. Shall be caught up together with them in the clouds. All right, so we see that. Now, First Thessalonians 5, 1 through 11. Paul writes again to that same church in a second letter. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, ye have no need that I write unto you. In other words, they were very schooled in Bible prophecy as all early Christians were. So think about that. If you do not know about this, either your church is not preaching and teaching it, or you're not listening, or you're not reading your Bible, or nobody's reading their Bible, and you don't know what the early Christians knew. But of the times and seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord, now that's, that's like, when we often call that judgment day, that's the second coming. So cometh as a thief in the night. For when they shall say, peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with a child, and they shall not escape. So the, the second coming of Christ is going to completely catch the lost world by surprise, just like the flood did with Noah, when on that seventh day while he was in the ark, the flood came immediately on the seventh day with no warning. And it's likened to uh, as a woman giving birth. They, they may have the little birth pains along the way, but it's just saying, hey, it's coming, it's coming. But boy, when that starts, you know, it's almost like the woman is, is not, no, it's about to happen. It's such a major event. Like I know so much about that, right? <laughs> I'm just going on what, uh, what I've observed with my wife and heard other ladies speak about. All right, so other mothers. So notice this. He says in verse 4 of 1 Thessalonians 5, but ye brethren are not in darkness, that that day should overtake ye as a thief, you as a thief, for, uh, now verse 5, ye are all the children of light and the children of the day. We are not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. For they that sleep, sleep in the night, and they that be drunken are drunken in the night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love and for an helmet, the hope of salvation. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation. Think of that as rescue, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Wherefore, comfort yourselves together and edify one another, even as also ye do. Now, again, if the second coming is going to catch the world by surprise, surely and certainly so will the rapture of the church seven years prior. The world is not thinking at all in terms of the Lord taking the church out of the world. In fact, the world is thinking about how can they take the church out of the world. But the Lord is going to beat them to it with the rapture by removing all believers in the Lord Jesus Christ. It will take the world completely by shocking surprise. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 1 through 13. Now we beseech you, brethren, by the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ and by gathering together unto him, that refers to the rapture, that ye be not soon shaken in mind or be troubled, neither by spirit, nor by word, nor by letter, as from us. That's like a forged letter. 
as that the day of Christ is at hand. Let no man deceive you by any means, for that day shall not come, except there come a falling away first, and that man of sin be revealed, the son of perdition, who opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped, so that he as God sitteth in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Remember ye not that when I was yet with you, I told you these things, and now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time. So there's something that's preventing this Antichrist from being revealed to the world. Well, what is that? I believe it's a restraining ministry of the Holy Spirit who lives in the church. And when when the church is removed, the Holy Spirit no longer restrains that evil and the Antichrist will be known. And now ye know what withholdeth that he might be revealed in his time, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work, only he who now letteth, that word letteth means prevent or holds back, only he who now letteth will let until he be taken out of the way. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming. Even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this cause, God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. Now, in the Greek text, it's literally they should believe the lie. And I believe the lie referred to here, I believe, is that the Antichrist is God. They'll believe this. Verse 12, that they all might be damned who believed not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. But we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation. That is, think again of rescue. Chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and belief of the truth. Now let's talk about the day after the rapture. Number one, there will be instant separation. Believing wives will be taken with the Lord, with us, all believers, to the Lord and to heaven. That unbelieving husband will be left behind. Believing teenagers whose rest of their family may not believe, they are going to go with the Lord. The family will be left behind. There will be Christian bosses who do not report for work because they're no longer on the earth. There will be Christian policemen who may be on duty, but their squad cars immediately vacated because they've been taken to be with the Lord. Now, I don't mean they died. I mean, they're raptured. There will be stores that can't open, banks that can't open. The stock market will be in disarray. Hospital staffs will be uh, riddled with absences. Well, where are all of these people? What happened? Uh, you know, the old thing that you've heard or seen before, air, airline jets will crash because the pilots perhaps were believers in Christ. So, I mean, you can fill in the blanks. You can see what I mean. There will be 
instant separation. Now, note this. When the rapture happens, which could come at any time, just as the flood happened without warning, when the rapture happens, there will be instant separation in every conceivable situation of life. And all of those that are still here were left behind. Think about that. Number two, there will be immediate impact, as I've just said. This rapture of the church will be the most catastrophic event in modern history so far. It will be global in its impact, and it will be felt immediately as soon as it happens. And for sure, the day after, and the weeks after, and the months and even years after the rapture of the church, the impact will be massive. The only thing that will eclipse that will be when the Lord literally returns at the end of the tribulation in what is commonly called the second coming of Christ to establish his thousand-year kingdom where he rules the world with an iron rod. There will be no challenge to him that will be successful. But that's yet future. That's after the rapture of the church. So there will be instant separation, immediate impact, and no doubt the governments of the world will quickly concoct some ridiculous explanation uh, like uh, Gaia cleansed itself, you know, Mother Earth cleansed herself of all of the climate deniers and blah, 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 you know, whatever. Our UFOs uh, beamed all these people up, uh, you know, we're under attack from alien forces or whatever, you know, I, who knows what they'll come up with. I mean, you got to hand it to the lost world. They are extremely creative and they have Hollywood. All right, number three. There will be an international effect. This disappearance of what what, what the common denominator will be that every single one of them were believers in the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ. They were Christians. I don't mean people that said they were or kind of were but really weren't or they went to church but, you know, they didn't really believe it and all that. I mean real Christians. There will be instant separation, immediate impact, and an international effect. The governments of the world will be in complete disarray, trying to put things back together again and to figure out what happened. No doubt, initially, the governments of the world will will possibly believe that other governments use some super secret weapon, like uh, similar to a neutron bomb, which keeps buildings standing, but gets rid of people. Yeah, that that's a good excuse right there. They'll probably use that, something like that. You know, or some new, I don't know, particle beam or transporter from Star Trek or who knows. Anyway, they'll come up with something, trust me. But it will be instant separation, immediate impact, and an international effect. Now, again, as I said, Everyone who's still on the earth at that point will be an unbeliever. But I predict that many people left behind will be jerked into biblical reality and realize it was all true. I should have listened. You know what? 
when they realize they're left behind, they may want to, <laughs> oh man, listen, it's going to be a, a reality for every living person on the earth, just as the worldwide flood was. Just as God shut the door to the ark and all of these people were lost with no warning, so he will open the door of heaven for the saved and those left behind at that initial moment, that initial day after, no doubt are all lost. But many, I believe, will realize it was all true and they will cry out to the Lord to save them. Many, many people will come to the Lord during the tribulation period. During the 70s and the Jesus people movement, the late 60s and very early 70s, there was a very popular song and one of the lines of it, I think it may even be the title, is I wish we'd all been ready. And it was written from the vantage point of someone who had scoffed at the rapture of the church, scoffed at the second coming of Christ, and they weren't ready. They were lost. They were unsaved. And all of their saved family and their friends and co-workers and teammates and classmates and soldier buddies and all that, they, all of those people are gone. And all of those people had witnessed to these people left behind, but they had scoffed and mocked and rejected. Well, you, if you're not a believer in Christ and you're alive when the rapture comes, you may be singing, I wish we'd all been ready. You know, I wouldn't put that off. I would not assume that you will be alive after the rapture of the church so that you can turn to Christ. I would do that now. Write this phone number down, 877-247-2426. If you will call that number, now you're not calling me, but if you will call that number, someone will speak to you about how to become a Christian, a real one, how to be born again, how to place your full faith and trust, not in the Catholic church, not in a Baptist church, not in your intelligence or whatever it is you're trusting on, but how to place your full faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. They'll talk with you about that. And then you can know for certain that if the rapture happened in your lifetime, you would go to be with the Lord. You can know for certain if the rapture didn't happen while you were living, that at death, you would immediately be with the Lord and one day your body would be raised incorruptible at the rapture of the church. Now, instead of following Satan and the Antichrist and all of their losers and being condemned to an eternal hell, you can follow Jesus Christ and come over to his side and be wonderfully welcomed into heaven and a wonderful eternity with God. Call 877-247-2426. Or you can go to chataboutjesus.com. Chataboutjesus.com. 
www.thebibleconversation.com. Thank you for listening today. It's been my honor and privilege to share the word of the Lord with you. These are certainly difficult topics, and especially if you don't know something about them already when you come to them. The main thing is you should not delay becoming a Christian because you may wait until it's too late. Tell others about This Week in the Word at dredhill.podbean.com. If the Lord doesn't come first, I'll be sharing with you again next week on This Week in the Word. God bless you. Bye-bye.